A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, it's Allison, and welcome back to the podcast. I have three questions for us to cover off today, and the first one comes from Ireland. The question is, um, now that we have bedtime with our three-year-old triplets ironed out, almost, thanks to you, we are having some difficulty with dressing. I figure if, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt myself here. If you can get three triplets to bed, you already have (laughs) done the hardest parenting job you may have to do. Um, But the question goes on. It says that um, the daughter, uh, Quiva, it's a Gaelic name. Uh, and I never would have guessed it from the way it's spelled, C-A-O-I-M-H-E, but Quiva. So Quiva seems to have some serious uh, sensory issues. She's frequently very reluctant to get dressed. She complains of itchy textures. We have cut labels off of most of her briefs and have rearranged the wardrobe to allow her to choose exactly what she finds comfortable. Her other sister, Rosen, I hope I'm saying that right, R-O-I-S-I-N, Raisin, has been very accommodating, allowing her to borrow some of her cozy dresses. Yesterday, our lovely au pair, Carol, had a very challenging day trying to get Quiva out to preschool. My husband ended up missing a lot of work trying to help find a mutually pleasing agreement. Quiva ended up going out in her slippers and then going barefoot when they got wet. She is sniffly and snotty today. I suggested that Quiva and I go shopping together so she could choose some play clothes that she will be happy to wear. She was very excited with the prospect and agreed that she would change out of her PJs after breakfast this morning. When it came to leaving, the fun began. After trying two different dresses and briefs and leggings, all of which came off within minutes, she decided she wanted to wear her jacket and nothing underneath. I explained she needed to be warm and have underwear and clothes under her jacket. I gave her two options. 
get fully dressed and come with mummy or stay undressed at home. In the end, I had to follow through and left without Quiva. I'm hoping she will feel the consequences of her actions, but this is becoming a bit of a dilemma for us. Any advice or suggestions would be much appreciated. Baby number four is due in July, so expecting a new and exciting transition phase that will hopefully not involve dressing nightmares. <laughs> Thanks always for your wonderful podcast and sound advice. Thank you so much. Well, gosh, can I say... There's so much as I read this that you have done so wonderfully um, that you're looking for pleasing agreements and that you're offering her choice. Um, you know, th these are all really great and that you've this this choice not only in what would you like to wear and picking out clothes and having some empowerment over going shopping, um, the choice to stay home naked or, or come dressed like we've inserted choice here. But I'm going to say the way that we can tighten this up a little bit for you and tweak this is that we are going to um, um, first look at what's the usefulness and the purposefulness of the behavior, right? Because children are goal-oriented in their behavior. They're trying to look for an outcome. And so what is it in her case? As I'm reading through this, I'm thinking, what a creative gal, how busy she keeps you with her sensory issues, which she may indeed have. Um, many kids do. I had a daughter who did as well. Um, but she she may have discovered that and then learned secondarily that when she says this itches, that itches, no, I don't like how that feels, she realizes that she really gets your time and attention. And when you're one of a triplet, when you have siblings of any kind, but I would imagine with triplets particularly, how am, how else can I keep the spotlight on me? How can I just have one-on-one -on -one time with my mom? I'm going to do it by creating some, some problem here that she has to address, she has to solve, she has to manage me, she has to deal with which dress I'm wearing and not dressing and I don't want to put it on and oh, and so mom is not free to go off and play with my siblings, get on with breakfast, I keep her with me in this dilemma. So I don't want her to reach that goal. So I would say uh, now that she's got her own clothes and she's, you know, got an assortment and they're all kind of stuff that she likes and most are comfortable, you have done your parenting job in terms of roles and responsibilities. You have got an assortment of things that you know that she can wear. Now we help her pick, but we're going to just shore this up a little bit tighter because we want it to meet the needs of the situation. We don't have all day. There's a time for picking. There's a time for deciding. There is a time for dressing. There's a time for breakfast. There's a time for getting in the car. There's a time for getting to preschool. And she's got to learn that she needs to make the accommodation into the needs of the situation, into the social order of the family, into the timetable of the family. And so there is where I think that at three, which would be different at eight or 10 or whatever, but at three, you got to really stay on her and push, move, move the action along. And so I'm, it might look something like this if this is helpful. Um, I might say, okay, Quiva, it's time to get dressed. Would you like to wear um, this or this today? Or can you pick your bottoms or can you pick your tops? And if she's like, no, I don't know, I don't want this. Say, well, you can pick or mommy can pick for you. Oh, looks, if she goes, I don't know, this, that, uh, I would say looks, because we always listen to the behavior not the mouth. The mouth says, I want to pick, I want to pick, I want to pick, but she's jumping on the bed, not moving forward. She's dawdling. So I would say, well, it's time for picking. Do you want to pick the pants or the dress? Mm -hmm. Okay. It looks like you want mommy to decide you've picked the dress. No, I don't want the dress. The dress is uncomfortable, whatever. Well, I'm sorry. The time for deciding has come and gone. Um, we're wearing the dress today. You can choose differently tomorrow. Um, so I would keep the action going. Do you want to wear this pant, these tights or those tights? You pick 
you know, I pick these. No, no, I don't like them. I'm sorry. The time for deciding tights has, has come and gone. Those are the tights for today. Now, she may refuse to put them on or whatever. Uh, and if she does, I would just say, um, well, you know what? We need to get down to the breakfast table. If you'd like me to stay and help you dress, which is what she wants to do. She does not want you to leave. She wants your time and attention. If you'd like me to stay then you need to show me that you're getting dressed in the clothes that have been picked for today. If you're uninterested in getting dressed on your own and using my help, then I'm going to move on to the breakfast table. So I would go down to breakfast. She's going to go, no, no, wait, wait, don't leave, don't leave. She's going to want you there. If she doesn't give you that response, you go down to the breakfast table. So maybe she winds up there for a while. Maybe she comes down naked and you say, I'm sorry, you know, you need to have your clothes on in order for you to get breakfast. Um, she still may whine. She may even miss breakfast. And then when it's finally time to get in the car, this is where I kind of like your choice, but I just want to give you another option that I think will perhaps work better. Um, and again, because she's three, you know, you might say something like, you know, we're, uh, we need to go to school. So you can either quick like a bunny, get into to the clothes that we picked, or um, we can get dressed at school and I can throw these in a bag. And sometimes you can even just get them dressed in the car at the school. But the idea is we want to move the action forward. And at three, I might even say underwear needs to go on to go out in public. So can you help me or do, do I need to, to, to pull these on you? And depending on how, you know, physical she is or whatever. But notice at each, each opportunity, I'm giving her a chance to make a decision for herself. I'm affording her choice and opportunity to be autonomous. But I'm also saying, but, the, but this is going to move forward. I don't sit and say to a child, like, well, the house is on fire. You know, do you want to, It's you know, you, you can use your legs. You know, you can walk out or stay here. I go, no, we need to leave the building. So you can either walk out or I'm going to pick you up and carry you. You can move forward. So um, so long as you keep forwarding that action so that she is unsuccessful in keeping you busy with her and she's unsuccessful in dragging out the time that something needs to be done. The time has come and gone. Implement the next thing. Um, so I hope that's helpful, but you're all, you're doing such a good job, such a good job. I always feel like... Really, I'm I'm giving I'm giving tweaks and suggestions here, but I can just hear in the reading of this how much you've got under your belt that's gonna really bode well in the future. That's great. You know, I think the other thing too, I'll just add on there is whenever we're trying to eradicate a behavior because the child's attention seeking, we have to remember that this is just the child's creative way of solving a problem of engagement and connection. And and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just all too often kids learn in their creative discovery that being off task gets more time and attention than being on task. And sometimes, especially around things of independence, it's like, well, when you were dressing me, you'd stayed with me. And now that I'm dressing on my own, you leave. So why do I want to be independent? So it's about putting our energies and efforts on behaviors that we want to see more of. So when she's pulling on her tights to say, look at you, you know how to make up your mind and you know how to get those tights on. You really know how to look after you. I want to give a lot of energy for behaviors I want to see repeated. So being helpful, um, being cooperative, um, you know, helping the group, contributing. Boy, we all get out the door so much faster when everyone's ready on time. Thank you for helping our family that way. Then they know oh, that's the stuff that mom and dad pay attention to. The person who's ready gets the, gets the, the attention and the engagement. Not the praise. <laughs> All right. Hope that helps. And thank you for, for sending that in. Next question. Hi, Allison. We've been very conscious to be body positive in our household, and I thought I was doing a pretty good job to not shame anyone about their comfort. With the recent heat wave, both our 13-year-old son and 9-year-old daughter have been spending much of their day with remote school cameras off and most nights 
topless. They do put clothes on for outdoor play or if someone pops over for a short visit. However, our daughter is in the very stages, beginning stages of growing breasts, and her dad and I have begun to suggest that she should start wearing tank tops to cover up. She pointed out that her brother doesn't have to cover up, to which I say something like, you're right, he should too. It's not like dad and I walk around half nude. Why is that? It has no answer. I don't want to draw attention to her changing body as a negative thing. I want her to have more body positivity than I had. I do recall an adult pointing out my own buds when I was around 10 and it had a creepy and lasting effect on me. But the truth is that I'm uncomfortable with her level of comfort. I honestly do not think she's wrong here, but I need some way to deal with the changes myself. How can I support her positive body image during these body changes? Thanks for the amazing and open guidance you've given us over the years. We're huge fans. Oh, thank you very much for that compliment. And I'm glad that you've been following along and finding it beneficial. So I don't think this is about... I think if you've done a good job with body positivity, I would trust your spidey instincts that you have. I don't I don't think this is about shame covering up from shame. That's not the lens that I saw it through. I, I see it through the lens of and because when they go out to play and that they turn off their cameras, or if someone comes over, they put on a tank top. Um, this is really about our social norms are so are and they're different in different cultures and they're different in different families. And in fact, you can go to a nudist colony and everyone can walk around naked if they want to because the agreements of the social group have decided that that's how they they are they're all okay with that. It's a, it's an agreement. And if you go to certain countries that um, you know wear grass skirts and they're topless and other places where they have you know demarcations on their face and and that's what they do there and so it's uh, it's a cultural thing it's a social norm and we have a social norm that says when you are a child or a baby running around naked is one thing but when you start getting secondary sex characteristics and start going through puberty because you're entering the adult world, we draw this line that um, that's when you start covering up. And that's, you know, we're more liberal than we were back in the Victorian days or other times in history, if you think about it. Um, but that's still an existing social norm for us. And, you know, you can go back to our social norms comes from our upbringing and the culture that we were raised in. And you can say, I came from a more conservative family and um, more of the cultural norms that I have. And so when you breach a cultural norm, it creates a little bit of dissonance in your mind where there's you have a rule about it's not okay to look at developing breasts, and that makes an awkwardness for you. And so if it's if you can keep it not about your body's good or bad, but that it's about social rules about how we behave and say, um, so we've, you know, clearly you've got a set of rules for being out in the playground and you understand that. I guess we need to renegotiate what our internal household rules are. You know, like my fa my father was in, in my household. If you went into my dad's bedroom while he was changing in the morning, that's like, you came into my territory. You're going to see what you're going to see. But he didn't walk around the kitchen naked. Um, so every family has to have a conversation about comfortability for everybody and that it can be subjective. And I don't think that's a body shaming thing. That goes more to privacy and social norms. So I would just couch it, just couch it around there and see if she understands your point of view. And again, in our kind of like agreeing, not agreeing, you know, if you have a good relationship, you're just like, oh, I'll give you a little bit of wiggle room on this. If you can give me a little bit of wiggle room on that, you know, I can see your point of view. Can you see my point of view? Would you be willing to help me out? What could we what could we land on that makes everybody feel comfortable with the arrangement? And uh, just keep it in the in the good dialogue conversation. I think you've I think you've got this. I think you've got this. And I hope that's um, I think at nine, she'll understand it from that 
perspective. I think she's sophisticated enough to understand the, the cultural and the social norm piece. All right, and my last question here, um, which I'm, which was a, a lovely exchange that I had over multiple emails with somebody. So I'm, I'm going to be editing and paraphrasing as I read because I just kind of wanted to pull out the nuggets for the point of of this uh, dialogue to share with you guys. And it was a mom who sent in a, a question. And she says, uh, uh, I'm a teen mom to a very free-spirited, social, and intelligent 15-year-old daughter who has indulged in risky behaviors. Our household has strong personality dynamics, though, so trying to control her independence and grown-up thoughts and desires for emancipation from us and being her own person um, has been around since she was 12 or maybe even 9, and it's landed much heartache, zero progress, since she always feels we are up in her business and puppeteering. I know many people listening to this podcast will understand um, the sentiments that you're sharing right here. And and then you go on to say you're so tired of the arguments, the coldness, the the shutting me out, the nasty attitudes, you know, so... Again, this is uh, this is heartbreaking to read, but but common, unfortunately, when we get into adolescence with our kids. She says, uh, so today I had a positive mom heart to heart, a human to human chat around uh, that I am rel- relinquishing my old methods of the tug of war and introducing some new methods i.e. you're in control of your own life and I am no longer up in your face in your room in your business policing and nagging about X, Y, and Z. And I implemented some of the ideas I gathered after listening to your teen webinar and watching Thursday's Q&A session. So for people who don't know, I do a Facebook Live every Thursday. So she's she's done one of my webinars. She's done a Q&A and she's implementing them. And, and so she says, and she perked up like fresh watered plant. <laughs> But here's the part that she goes on. She and I have a private conversation, but much more. But she says, um, releasing control is a little scary. It feels like I've given the go ahead for her to go willy nilly um, on on such a strong minded girl. She she says like me. Um, So you've met, met her match. And so that's what I wanted to talk about, that when we're in power struggles and I give the advice of drop the rope, you know, usually we're in a power struggle because our internal belief systems and our fear is my child will not do, they're incapable, or um, we infantilize them as being incapable, or we we can't we have lost trust in them or whatever. And so from our fear that left to their own devices, my kid is going to get into further trouble. They've gotten themselves into trouble. If I if I don't control the situation, they're going to get it even deeper into trouble. And so when we're in a position of fear, we get our hackles up. We want to dig in deeper and deeper, get more controlling, more controlling, set this, set things right, set things right, set things right. And it's so hard to believe, to have faith that if I do less, I'm going to get a better outcome. How can it be? If it's already this bad, how can doing less get me better behavior? It feels so antithetical. It feels like they're getting rewarded or that they're going to go wild. It's every parent's fear. So it's a leap of faith that we take. It's a leap of faith to say maybe the reason why this opposition and poor choice making and and craziness that's going on, perhaps it's because we're contributing to the problem with our controlling nature by underestimating their competencies, by not having trust in them. And since it's not working anyways, why not try something different? What would happen if you step back and say, I trust you, I have faith in you. Um, you know, I manage, I trust you to manage your responsibilities. I trust you to manage your business and step back. You know, are they going to be perfect right away? No, but suddenly 
we get some very surprising results. Having a, an egalitarian, heart-to-heart, human-to-human conversation as opposed to slave-tyrant, puppet-puppeteer conversation, and suddenly her da- daughter blossoms up. And in fact, and this is what I wanted to share with you because proof's in the pudding. It's so much easier when you hear it from other people than just from me. In the course of our exchange, and a little bit more time passes, she says, um, by the way, one week I have already encountered a tad of better communication and tiny bits of self-motivation popping up on things such as she cleaned her room. She made dinner and dessert from scratch. Her grades are going up. Words, encouragement, it all matters. I'm changing my vocabulary, my presentation, tone, and body language. It does work, work, does work wonders with consistency. And then she just, my mom heart again, thank you so much. So I say that, you know, again, just to, to not give specific advice, but just to reinforce from this story that the dropping of the rope, the disengaging from the power struggle, don't win, don't win a power struggle. You're, you'll continue to, uh, you, you win the war, but you don't win the battle. It's coming around again as they retaliate, right? It reinforces a hierarchical power structure in the family where domination is the way to go. So you don't want to win power struggles, but you don't want to lose power struggles. You don't want kids walking all over you. You don't want to be spineless. They need your leadership. They need your guidance. They need social order. They need containment. Uh, They need an ally. They need, uh, they very much need an ally in the adolescent years, and we need to be there for them. So we don't want them to walk all over us and because they'll disrespect us if they walk all over us. We'll look like a fool. Um, we, we don't want to look disrespectful in, in where's our self-esteem if they're treating us like their puppet. So don't win, don't lose, but disengage from the fight. Wave the white flag, take your ball and go home, take your wind out of their sail, these are all techniques that come from sort of, again, having faith, showing that faith to our kids, putting down our dukes, getting out of our power stances, getting into heart-to-heart relational conversations. And when the relationship improves and the fighting is over and the re- mutual respect comes back and the egalitarian feel of mutual respect starts to infuse back in the relationship, we start to get these cooperative behaviors. And when she's making beds and marks are going up and school's going great and relationships are at home, there's less likely the need to use substances because the stress has gone down because they're not struggling. You know, they've got their foundational pieces. And yeah, they're going to do stupid things. Yeah, but they're coming back to a strong family foundation. So that's all really wonderful news. And I really just, I wanted to reiterate your success and share part of your story and emphasize about dropping the rope and and how uncomfortable that feels. I get to joyfully listen to so many success stories of families that took the big leap of faith and let go of the rope and and saw the wonderful transformation of families. But if it's your family and you've never done it before and you haven't had that experience, it is a huge leap of faith. So keep listening, keep sharing your stories. If you have a win that you want to share with other listeners to encourage them and motivate them to have that little act of, of um, faith in letting go of the rope, share those with me too. I'd love to encourage more more readers to uh, to give it a go. So thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Take care. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. 
We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.